Thanks, church family. As we enter into a time of opening up God's Word, I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to a very familiar passage, Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. And as I shared with you, Pastor Owen being away uh, today in revival, um, I do want to remind you, it just seems that uh, here we are, uh, first Sunday of October, um, a year ago, Pastor Owen was introduced to us by our pastor search committee. First of November, he started as our pastor, and uh, we've been doing some neat things uh, since that time, and one of those that I love that we've done is an opportunity for people to learn more about Emmaus through our Discover Emmaus luncheons and our membership class where Pastor Owen is teaching. And if you've not been to either of one of those uh, for Discover Emmaus, if you're visiting and want to find out more about Emmaus, or maybe you're a member and you'd like to find out more, we want to invite you to those. Our, our next one is going to be uh, November the 6th. But uh, during that time, we, we really have an opportunity to be able to hear from Pastor Owen, and he shares the story of Emmaus from Scripture, Luke 24, and shares about Emmaus' history, introduces the staff, and, and uh, then goes through what we believe, what Scripture teaches and, uh, and then we talk about uh, uh, coming to know Christ, uh, baptism, getting involved in a small group Bible study, a Sunday school class, and, uh, and then church membership. And then everyone is invited to those church membership classes. And uh, in fact, our next church membership class uh, is going to be October the 16th, two weeks from today. And the reason I say all of that is because uh, this morning I want to title this, uh, What is Our Mission as a Church? And in those, we discuss that and we look at Scripture and everything's based on what Scripture says. But I really wanted to take us back to and look at, as we look at uh, Matthew 28, this very familiar passage, because you're, you're going to be, you probably could almost quote this, this uh, Scripture passage. But as we do this, uh, I want to lay it into context with who we are as a church and what our mission is. Pastor Owen has shared uh, three simple words for us to, be, to remember, that up, in, and out, that up in our worship, worshiping Him, in that discipleship, us growing, uh, and out in our missions and reaching others. And so this morning I want to focus on this discipleship portion of who we are called to be as the church and what Scripture says. So as we look at Matthew chapter 20, I want to start with verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. Now these are the last words that are recorded of Jesus in the book of Matthew. And in this passage here, we have Jesus really giving us the mission of the church, and especially here he says that we're to do what? Verse, uh, verse 19, that phrase there, that we are to make disciples. Well, I don't know about you, but I can sometimes take something that's very easy and tend to make it very complex. And, and, it, and it usually has nothing to do with the, uh, the situation. It usually has to do with the way that I think something should be done, and, and, uh, and sometimes I make it more complex than it should be. And I think when we look at this phrase that we are called to make disciples, I think 
sometimes we make it more complex than what it should be. Because Jesus here is telling them to make disciples of all nations. So we see there the work of missions, of the going out, and, and then he tells them to make disciples. We can, we can look at that and do sermon series on evangelism and, and uh, uh, of sharing the gospel. He tells them to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can look at that as the ministry of the church and what we do as a church from our preschool up through our adults and, and everything that takes place in between. But I want us to specifically focus on these two words that we are called to make disciples. And when we look at verse 20, we get the answer as to what it means by what kind of disciples that we're to make. So look down at verse 20 there. It says, teaching them to observe all, or some of your translations may say, everything that I've commanded you. Jesus is here in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, 19 and 20 specifically, giving a description of what a disciple is. He's giving a description of what he means there earlier when he says to make disciples. A disciple is someone who, is, who does all that I've commanded them to do. You know, uh, this last uh, few couple of months, I... Uh, entered uh, Jackson into uh, uh, the Moore Baseball League, and we didn't have a team. They get this 12, 13, 14 years old, and some kids are going to play junior high ball, and everybody kind of just spreads out. So I thought, well, we're just going to do our luck of the draw. And I went over and signed Jackson up, and I called back a week later, two weeks later, do we have a coach yet? No, we, we don't have a coach yet. And so I volunteered, and the only reason I volunteered because I knew I had guys around me that knew baseball better than I do, and I'd get them involved. So I called Jeff Hemphill, and I said, Jeff, how would you like to help me coach Jackson's baseball team? And then I called Preston Whitmill and asked Preston to come and coach. And then I've asked Lincoln and Grayson to come and, and uh, help coach. And so I've just sat in the dugout and kind of piddled and, you know, did the running lineup, and they're doing everything that's there, and it's a lot of fun. But we have a young man who's playing with us who I don't think is played uh, ever. If he did, it was when he was little. And some of the basic fundamentals of being able to throw and catch a ball, he's just really starting to, to understand. And one night at practice, we sat out here on the field and hit balls to him until he could try to catch a ball using both hands, catching a pop fly with both hands in the next game. Him being out there in right field, and here comes you know, a bomber that's right out there to right field, and, and, and you, know, you could just see it happening. If he will just keep his feet planted, get his, his glove in the air, and he'll use both hands, he will catch this ball. And he caught the ball, and he jumped up and down like a little kid, and we were all excited. The team was all giving him uh, high fives and all of that. It was just fun, and it's made the season worth it. It's made the season worth to see this young man do something as simple as catch a ball in a game-time situation and be able to hit the ball and do some of these things. It's fun to see that taking place. When we look at, at who we are called to be as believers, and we're called to make disciples, and it says to teach them to observe everything that I've commanded you, just that, that teaching and, and that you're going to listen and you're going to do exactly what, what, I've, what he's commanded. You know, Oswald Chambers said this, our Lord Jesus had only one desire, and that desire was to do the will of His Father, and to have that desire is the characteristic of a disciple. So the very thing that Jesus is asking the disciples to do, I want you to go and make disciples, and I want you to teach them to observe everything, all that I've commanded you to do. Well, the example that 
that Jesus gives before them is Jesus himself. He's been the greatest example of what it means to be obedient. He's been the greatest example as to what it means to be a disciple. Because I want us to look at, uh, I'm going to read out a couple of verses here. And I just want you to think about the example that Jesus has set forth in Scripture of what it means to to be obedient, to, to follow. Because in John chapter 6, verse 38, Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of Him who sent me. In the Garden of Gethsemane, He's on His knees, He's sweating drops of blood, and He's praying, Not my will, but Your will be done. Jesus has given us the greatest example already from Scripture. So as He's sharing this with the disciples, they have this great example in Jesus Himself because Jesus loved to do the will of His heavenly Father. He wanted to do the will of of Him who sent Him. He wanted to do His will. He wanted to do His will, and it was a characteristic of of a disciple that He would be obedient. A disciple wants to be like His Master. And just as the Son was like His Father, and and you see that take place. I I think one of the greatest tragedies recently in our family's life is we went to... Um, an old church that we hadn't been back in several years and Lincoln was with, with us and probably within the first five minutes, I guarantee five people s- stopped him and said, you look just like your dad. Now that's the worst thing that any teenager wants to be able to hear. And it was, and, and of course I'm, I'm laughing because I'm like, yeah, see what you have to look forward to, buddy. And uh, uh, all of this stuff. And, and, and so the, the greatest compliment was that. And of course Lincoln's over there dying a thousand deaths and and all of that, but I thought it was hilarious. And we, and we have this great example in Scripture that we are to reflect our Heavenly Father. We're to reflect who He is. And, and, when, and Jesus, in John chapter 14, in the upper room, Philip asked Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and it will be enough. They wanted more proof of who Christ was. They wanted more proof of what He was saying. And Jesus' response, I love this, there in John chapter 14 to Philip and the other disciples was, you mean that you've been with me for this long and you still don't know what the Father's like? Because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I love that exchange there between Jesus and Philip there in John chapter 14. And Jesus' response after that is, how can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus has given us this great example Himself that He is here to do the will of His Father. He's given us an example of what it means to to be a disciple, to, to make disciples, what that looks like. He loves His Father. He loves what His Father loves. He hates what His Father hates. He wants to be like His Heavenly Father. And He's telling the disciples there in John chapter 14, if you've seen Me, you've seen your Heavenly Father. So what, so what Jesus is saying here, I want you to make disciples who are like me. They love to do the will of my Father and the love, and they love to do my commands. Now, I want us to look again there at verse 20 in Matthew 28. It says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now, I don't believe that I've shared anything with you that you've, you're going to walk out of here and say, oh, wow. You know, that, that made sense to me. But I believe what, when we begin to talk about Matthew 20, 18 verse 20, 28 verse 20, that it's going to resonate in our hearts because I think you and I are going to be able to identify with what we're seeing happen here in Scripture. That, first, that phrase there in verse 20, 
Teach them to observe all that I command you. He's not saying to them, simply teach them. We can easily get caught into that trap where we're teaching. It's not teaching them to... uh, uh, teaching them all that I have commanded you. It's not just teaching that, but he's, he's saying teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Teach them to be obedient. Amen. You know, last week we had Hope is Alive here, and I love the fact that they were here sharing testimonies. Here are broken lives that God is restoring. God is in the process of molding and making new. And you hear these great stories from addiction to sobriety and, and, and what that begins to look like. And one of our men stopped me after the service uh, out in the hallway and said, you know, um, Rob's Ranch, I used to try to employ those men to come work for me. And it, w- and it became difficult if they, w- if they weren't in a situation where there's accountability taking place. It was hard to, to employ them because it was just the, the pull from that old nature, from, from the old situations was constantly at them and what I loved to displayed about in front of us last week as a church family was here are people who are walking through addiction and they're walking through sobriety and they're wanting to uh, to be well and they're wanting to be right and they're doing it together they're doing it together and 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 we're it was a great visual reminder of who we are to be as the church because it, when he says, I want you to make disciples who are like me, they, those who will love to do the will of my Father and they love to do my commands, they're obedient. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Another familiar passage where Jesus is finishing up the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So there's this stress here that Jesus says that that talks about hearing his word and doing it. Why is the stress there? Because a disciple who wants to do the will of his master is, we see that Jesus' language here is about hearers, not hearers only, but also doers. In fact, James chapter 1, verse 22 says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he is like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. What we see in these passages, a, a disciple wants to do the will of his master. A disciple wants to obey the commands of his master. And Jesus here in Matthew 28 is telling his disciples, go and make disciples and teach them to do all that I've commanded you. Teach them to observe all that I've commanded you. Now here's kind of where it hits home with us. We've read that probably thousands of times. Hundreds of times. We've heard that so many times. Yet this is where it becomes reality. There's a wrestling in our flesh. Some of you, the word master may have bugged you. Nobody's going to master me. Some of you, um, 
we may think about, uh, I, I, I really, I'm comfortable with where I'm at. And there's, there's uh, this easiness that creeps into our spiritual lives and we're satisfied with where we are. We're doing the right things. And, that, and that's very true. All of those, those can be great things. Those can be really good things. But God has something greater for us. There's this wrestling in the flesh that, that I think, and, and as I say this to you, the reason that I even bring this up is because these are things in my own heart and mind that I've thought, in my understanding of who Christ is and what it means to follow Him, to trust Him, to follow Him, and what that looks like. Because it's easy for us to think, well, I've, uh, I, I'm doing okay over here, and I, I'm, I'll work on that later. God desires for us to be obedient in all things. And there's this wrestling in our flesh. And the reason that I even say this to you today is because I know it's true, and you and I deal with this on a daily basis, moment by moment. And you know where that wrestling in our flesh began? It began back in the garden. When you look back at Genesis, in the garden of Eden, and you look at Adam and Eve and the joy they experienced, the joy that they experienced was tied up in what? It was tied up in God's design. It was, it was tied up in who He is. That He created this perfect world. And it was also tied up in the fact that they were doing what their Father commanded them to do. You see, the brokenness that you see enter into the world happens in there in the Garden of Eden. When Satan comes to Adam and Eve and he convinces them that, the, that for them to be able to experience joy... For them to be able to experience satisfaction. For them to be able to experience a God-likeness. What was it that they needed to do? They needed to disobey what God had said. They didn't need to obey what God had commanded. So what we read about and what this, the struggling of the flesh that we may experience ourselves in following after Christ... It happened, it started in the Garden of Eden. Satan convinced Adam and Eve that their joy was not related to doing the will of their father. Satan convinced them that it wasn't, that they didn't need to be obedient to him in order for them to be able to experience joy. Satan has been commanding people ever since. It's boring to obey God's commands. People, Satan has been telling people all along that you're okay. You're okay right where you are. Satan has been convincing people all along that there are other ways that they can find true happiness. That there are other things that they can do. And I think when I speak of those things, I don't think any one of us walk in here on worship on Sunday mornings and we're not in that daily battle in our lives. So for us to be obedient, and here comes Jesus, and he says to his disciples, I've come here so that your joy might be complete, and I'm going to do the will of him who sent me. See what Jesus is doing here in Matthew 28? When Jesus comes into the world, he's restoring creation. He's restoring what uh, uh, creation. He's putting those two things back together again, and he's saying that in doing the, the will of the Father, we find joy. And so creation points us to who God is and His goodness. 
Adam and Eve show us that life doesn't work when we ignore what God intends for us to do. It's a great reminder to us, and we, and we continue to selfishly insist on doing things our way instead of God's way. Romans 1.25 says, They exchanged the truth of God for a life and worshipped and served something for a lie and worshipped and served something created instead of the Creator who is praised forever. Simply put, when we look at Romans chapter 1, when we want to go our own way, it's sin. Without admitting our sin, there's no opportunity for salvation. And sin keeps us from God. And it's the reason that we need Jesus. In fact, Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so Jesus tells his disciples, go and make disciples, teach them to observe all that I've commanded you to do. It's not just teaching. It's not just teaching them the commands. And I, I've said this a million times, probably one of those where you kind of have those aha moments in reading a statement that simply said, you know, the church has been guilty of teaching people what they shouldn't be doing instead of what they should be doing. God desires for us to be obedient and who He is. So as, as Jesus tells His disciples, He's saying that I want you to make disciples. I want you to make someone who, uh, make disciples who obey, who are obedient, who want to do the will of the Father. And I think that's probably one of the greatest battles in life for us is doing the will of the Father because what happens is we find ourselves in places where in our heads we know that we're supposed to do God's will, but there's this temptation that we find ourselves in, this temptation that simply says you will be happy if you do this instead of God's will. And the great challenge for us in this moment is, it is our will to do what God desires. It is to do His will. I want to be obedient to that. And that's, and that's where we start to talk about discipleship, making disciples. Satan's just like he did there in the Garden of Eden in the, in the book of Genesis. He's throwing out these promises, and he continues to do that to you and me on a daily basis, that if we will just abandon what God says and follow our hearts, then there will be true happiness. And he continues to pull us along down this empty road. Discipleship is about equipping us so that we can say, I want to be able to do His will. You know, church, any, any church that I've ever been a part of, I think that we can find ourselves having a ten tendency to use certain things as measuring sticks as to success. Um, in fact, you can look at our bulletin this morning, and, and we do keep some of those statistics. Those are important statistics for us to be able to keep and gauge some of the things that are going on around the church, but they're not the most important statistics that we look at. We, you, you will see in your bulletin there how many people are attending, how, many people, how much money has been given. You, you see those things uh, reported in your, your bulletin there. But one of the things that I begin to hear uh, from us as a church family is look at how many people are joining. All of those are really good things, but that's not the measuring stick that God's going to measure us against. 
Those things are good, but they're all secondary compared to what Christ desires for us. And when we look at this passage in Matthew 28, we see what the measuring stick is, that we're called to go and make disciples and to teach them all that I've commanded you to do, to teach them to be obedient to all that I've commanded you to do. There's an obedience factor. I don't know how many funerals that I've done where as I go sit with the family, they will say, they pray to receive Christ when they're seven or eight years old, and then in the same sentence I'll hear, but they never lived like that. Now, I'm not the, the judge there, but I think there has to be some fruit for our decision of wanting to follow Christ. And I think about, you know, when I trusted Christ at 16 years old and 17 years old, I graduated from high school and I handed in my graduation robe and I have everything in my Blanc that I, that I owned in my little truck, a Zuzu pickup truck, a little nasty brown looking truck. It had no air conditioning and I drove from Amarillo, Texas to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And the whole reason that I did that was because I knew there were people there who can invest in me spiritually. I, had, I didn't have a dime in my name. Well, I had 400 bucks, but it got stolen at the mall up there in Tulsa. <laughs> but I knew this, that I had people there that could invest in me spiritually. That's what I desperately needed. That's what I desperately wanted. And you and I as a church, what is it that we measure? What is it that you measure personally? What is it that we measure corporately as a church? We can look at how many people are coming to know Christ. We can look at how many people are joining the church. All of those are good things. But when we look at Scripture, how many are being transformed into the likeness of who Christ is? And are we pursuing Him? We want to be a congregation of disciples. Emmaus Baptist Church, we want to be a congregation where we're Fulfilling what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us encourage one another and provoke one another unto good lo to, to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but encouraging each other until the day of Christ's return. That we're going to continue to encourage each other. That we're going to continue to teach each other. And we're not going to look, look over one another's sins. That we're going to confront one another. That we're going to do that in love. And we're going to be there for one another. No matter what that looks like. And that we're going to continue to encourage each other to grow in our relationship with Christ until the day of His return. That we would be guilty of being the church of Matthew 28 when He starts talking about making disciples. We want to be a church, not just of converts, not just of numbers, not just church members, but we want to be a church of disciples People who want to be like what Jesus commanded us to be. And there's no shame in that. There's no fear in that. For who we are called to be as the body of Christ. I, if I could encourage us in anything, it would just simply for us to be mindful of where we are spiritually. Maybe this morning you, you come in and you're like uh, some people that I've visited with after a funeral. You've, you've made a a decision to follow Christ, but there's no fruit. There's no uh, gauge of you tr having trusted Christ, your personal Lord and Savior. There's no evidence of that. This morning, Jesus is calling us to be obedient and to follow Him. Maybe this morning, uh, uh, you're not involved in some type of small group, and, and you come to, to worship, and you enjoy it, your time of worship, but I want to encourage you to take it a step further Let's get engaged in a small group 
and, uh, and, and meet people where they are in our Sunday school classes and our small groups on Sunday nights. Just getting to know some other, for the purpose of us being able to grow in community, growing with one another and challenging one another to be like who Christ has called us to be. Church family, I think that we have great days ahead of us. And I think, we, I think it's simply going to be that we just simply would find ourselves being submissive to who He is and desiring to be obedient and follow Him every moment of our lives and that we're encouraging one another to do that. I'm not talking about preaching at each other or anything like that. That, that we would lovingly walk beside one another and keep pushing one another, encouraging one another for us to be able to be who Christ has called us to be. I thank you. Many of you do that for me. And I intend to want to be able to do that for you and church family, that we would be able to do that for each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this reminder, this simple reminder in Matthew 28, when we look at what discipleship is, what you mean by make disciples. God, I pray that our mindset would be that we're not guilty of thinking about those things that are secondary. I pray that you would instill in our hearts and our minds what it means for us, first of all, to be a disciple. What it means for us to be obedient. Maybe there's some areas in our lives that we just need to submit to you and say, God, I, I want to be obedient to you in this. Maybe we need to repent, ask for forgiveness of sins. But God, I pray that you would be with us in the days ahead, that Emmaus Baptist Church would be a church that's known for making disciples. And that we have disciples who are making disciples. That we would not just think about what's happening right now in our circle of influence, but we could think generations down the road as we invest in our kids and invest in a younger generation, that we could think generations down the road of the investment that we make when we talk about making disciples. Father, I love you and I pray that uh, this time, that we just simply, this be time between us and you, and uh, if there's confessions that need to take place, decisions, Father, we welcome those. We love you, and it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.